Hey, it's Bernsey. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast, a Star Trek podcast where we mostly rewatch Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, we're currently taking a side trick, trek, if you will, uh, through Star Trek Lower Decks. Did you say trip or trip or trek or something? I said words that started with T and then I tried to go for trek and I, I don't know if I quite got there the first time. I mean, not honest. really. Today we're going to be talking about <laughs> episode five, Cupid's Errant Arrow. Paul, this is probably my favorite Star Trek episode to come out in a very long time. Like, of wow, anything. it's it's. I love this episode. This is this is a fantastic. Episode. I like this one a lot too. Um, this one, when I just rewatched it, I was like, wow, this one is just packed. Um, there are no downbeats in this episode, right? This is just hits the ground running and never stops running. Um, can can I just can I just for a moment can I talk about Ships. something can i talk about ships for a minute yeah we already i already mentioned this but my first note is ship corner moment because i was going to quiz you and see if you knew what class of ship the vancouver is the uss vancouver is a parliament class starship correct um, which uh which also there is some i did some research uh on this because did. there there's some disagreement as to whether or not specifically the uss vancouver or the entire parliament class were ships that were focused on complex, large-scale engineering projects. It seems as though that's the Vancouver's focus. It's not necessarily agreed upon that that's what the Parliament-class starship uh, looks like. But this is a damn good-looking ship. Like, the the Parliament-class starship sort of... Do you remember, like, when we were first talking about what, you know, the Cerritos oh, looks yeah. like? Yeah. <clears throat> um, this shows that both the design of the Cerritos is intentional and the way that they designed the Vancouver shows that they understand the design aesthetic of Star Trek probably better than any of the Prime series that are that are more modern. I will I will say both Star Trek Picard and um, Star Trek Discovery. Like this, like the Vancouver, if you put it next to like the Sovereign class USS Enterprise E from the last three feature films. It looks 100% like a natural progression of, of yeah, that design a, aesthetic. This is a nice looking ship. Um, it, it just it just works so well. I and also, like what, I love that when like Tendi and Rutherford get on it and they're like, this is the best ship ever. And Mariner's <laughs> response is like, looks just like the Cerritos. Because, and it, it shows how different they are uh, in mm -hmm. what they care about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, their reaction to Mariner saying like, what are you talking about? This looks exactly like the Cerritos is almost like she like cursed them out, <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. like, like there, there's like a similar combination of like shock and almost supreme judgment at the same time. Like, how dare you? How could you? Um, the and I love the fact that they put these two ships side by side, yeah. because visually, if you look at them, you could like just just even if you're not like a huge ship nerd like myself. I think you would easily look at one of these and be like, oh, that one's like the hero ship, right? Yep. And then the Cerritos is like not the hero <laughs> ship, right? <laughs> and it's like, they just, they 100% nailed it. They, yeah, they, they get, get it. it. Yeah, it, it's like, it's sort of like when you go to a party 
um, with people that you've never met before. And so think about, you know, the before times, because we're recording this yep, in COVID sure. America, uh, you know, in the year of our whatever, 2020, and it's October right now. Um, it's like, you know, so picture going to a party, you're, you're, uh, you're maybe grabbing a drink or something. And then somebody like somewhere mentions like a Trek reference, like played kind of down low, right? And it's that moment where you're like, this person speaks my language. This person is part of my tribe. I got that vibe from this episode right away, just based off of the visual design language of, of these two ships put side by side. And I'm like, these people get it. These people are fans. This is a show by yeah. fans for fans. And I'm here for it. Like I, I just, I, I thought you were going to a different place with that party metaphor. And I think it, it, it works um, a different way too, that it's kind of like you show up to a party, maybe it's a potluck and you bring like, a tray of lasagna or something and you made it and you're like, eh, it kind of looks all right. <laughs> and then like someone else brings a tray of lasagna and they like work for <laughs> food network or something. Right. And you set them next to each other on the table and everybody just kind of looks at yours and then glances over and they're like, Oh, and goes for the good one. Um, yep. Is, yep. is what these ships look like together too. Right. That like, yes, it, it, Yeah. They just nail it. It's what mm -hmm. we are just saying many times over. Mm -hmm. um, I I was looking up the U.S. Vancouver on Memory Alpha, and um, I found a little bit of trivia here because there's not much about it. But um, I guess all the shuttles in the shuttle bay are named after neighborhoods of the city of Vancouver. Oh, that's a nice touch. That's a fun that's little a nice... trivia. Yeah, there's also I mean, there's there's precedent for, you know, fun naming conventions within the prime Star Trek series as well, because uh, on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, all of the Danube class runabouts, there's there's an extra point for me, Danube class runabouts uh, that were issued to uh, to Deep Space Nine, which is a NOR class station uh, of Cardassian design. Um, all of them were named for rivers uh, on huh. Earth. So, so you had the, like the Shenandoah, um, you had the Rubicon, um, like there, there were just each time they got a new runabout, it was named for, I think there was, yeah, they, I can't remember how many of them they had, but each of them were named for rivers. So I think it was somewhere in there that you did cross that ship nerd line and it got a little too nerdy. <laughs> okay. That was it. That was, I, I took it just a little I'm bit. I'm not sure far. where it was, which, which okay. time you said, um, which river, but <laughs> Here's, here's right, well, me here's me tossing a rope out to you and just mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. reeling that run right back in um, so let's let's talk about the episode here so so the main the main premise i mean the whole reason why we have cupid's errant arrow here is um i i just love the idea that like so they play with just a comedic trope right which is just someone talking about like oh yeah my long distance girlfriend right and everybody's like from yeah. canada uh-huh uh-huh and then suddenly we meet her and she's seemingly perfect. Like, yep. like, and what I love about this too, is that like, um, they immediately sort of just without really doing much at all, uh, Barbara Brinson, which is, is, is his girlfriend. We sort of just immediately know, Oh, she's way out of his league. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. what, what's going on here? <laughs> well, and it's a great episode because Mariner has been painted as this, like really on top of, even if she's not, doing things she's kind of a slacker but really on top of things um but also someone who doesn't care that much about any given thing and right. this is a, a complete flip of her character of now she is she is obsessed with this thing that she is not handling well um <laughs> and it is a great play to that character so far um even <laughs> even five episodes in that like oh Boimler is the one that seems to be doing everything right here. Uh, 
even when he's kind of doing stuff wrong. Um, and Mariner is just off the deep end and does not get <laughs> what's going on. Um, well, and, and I, and I love the fact that it's like the thing that will just cause Mariner to just like completely eschew her, her facade of like, I don't care about anyone and anything is not like, you know, supreme danger to the ship. It's not, you know, the danger to the Federation or, or any of the things that would normally cause a hero moment in, uh, in, in Star Trek. It is her like just not able to understand how this girl wound up with Boimler. You know, yep, right? yep. Like, like she's just like, this doesn't add up. This doesn't make any sense. I have to figure this out. She also to, to a great point that we've been making that like, there is, there are not wasted words in the dialogue that she has a line when, um, like, she says, like, if if a relationship seems to be good to be true, it probably is, blah, blah, blah. But then she has a line that is, um, I think she's a secret alien who's going to eat you, or a Romulan spy, or a salt succubus, which is a callback to Nancy, the creature from the man trap. TOS uh, episode. TOS. Yep. Um, an android, a changeling, or one of those sexy people in rompers that murders you for just going on the grass. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a call out to the Edo <laughs> who try to kill Wes because, right. because he walked on the grass. Yeah, because he tripped over into their garden in the Forbidden Zone. In the and, episode, uh, that was, yeah, that was Justice, right? Justice. Justice. Was the name of the episode. Yep. What? an episode <laughs> <laughs> well and, and again like if, if the i think the entire theme of this episode is just you know you know star trek nerds starting to feel comfortable with their own nerddom right that it's just like again you know this this whole episode is just like my people you know right where yeah. i'm just like you know every single one of those references put a giant grin on my oh face. yeah it, when they said sexy people in rompers, I was like, oh, wait, did they just say that? And I went back to it to write it down. <laughs> so I like, wow. And if you hadn't yep. watched, right, if you hadn't watched that really bad, is that season one? I think that's season um, one. I, I think mean, it's season one. Yeah. It's season one or two because we did it. But yep. um, that's not a popular set of seasons of TNG. <laughs> nope. Um, so if you'd never watched that, you'd just be like, what's she talking about? But yeah, as soon as you have seen that episode, you're like, mm, yeah, those people wanted to kill Wes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so good. So good. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, the the other <laughs> the other thing that's happening here is, is obviously like we'll keep kind of bouncing back and forth between essentially, um, you know, what what the Vancouver is here to do and what the Cerritos is here to assist, which is sort of the big sci-fi problem, which is this moon that's breaking up in orbit of this planet, right? Yeah, this almost has an ABC plot, I'd say, right? Yeah. The, like, Boimler, Mariner, Barb stuff is is clearly the A. And then you've kind of got the Rutherford Dendy stuff as the B, I think. Yep. And then you've got the, like, the aliens that they have to handle that, that Freeman is handling is the C. Yes. Yep. And, and I think, I think the, the Rutherford Tendy stuff is really good here too. Yeah, um, just, just, and just because again, they're, they're sort of, um, they give them their moment where they both get to be kids in a candy store. Right. Where it's like, um, they're, they're huge nerds and they love the work. Um, but obviously like the work that they get on the Cerritos is of a certain quality and the work that you would get on a, on a big mainline vessel like the Vancouver 
is just sort of that next level stuff, right? And so they get a lot of it uh, centers around this challenge that they get sent on to to basically win some. I think they call them T88s, but they're basically like uh, these Omni yeah. scanners. Yep. Um, that are like basically way better than any of the gear that they have on the Cerritos. And, and so both Tendi and Rutherford are just like geeking out over this stuff. But, but where that plot goes, I think is actually also, it's another one of those lines. And I actually copy pasted this one, um, out of, uh, out of the memory alpha because I, I, I wanted to, to have this here, but, um, they're working for docent, I think is what his name is. Ron docent. So yeah, I have a point on docent after you make your point. So, so it's basically, well, go ahead and make yours because mine's sort of towards the tail end of, of this. So Okay, so mine's a bit done. of a spiral because I made a note of, boy, who's voicing Ron Dosen? Um, and it turned out it's, it's Matt Walsh um, of UCB, of Upright Citizens Brigade, and many, many other things, right? He's a oh. very talented actor and a very, very talented voice actor. Yeah. But he has that, like, Ron Dosen is Ron Dosen, right? Yeah, that character is voiced exactly as he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point, like, there's a certain point later where he's, like, pointing a phaser at him and, like, facing away and has one eye closed. Like, this, is, this isn't me. And, like, <laughs> it's voiced so perfectly. And I was like, well, okay, that's Matt Walsh. Um, but then I was in there and I was like, well, who else is guest casting on this one? Um, and Jillian Jacobs is Barb. Another great pull. Oh, that's why. Okay, I was going to say her name was sort of, or, yeah. or her voice was sort of recognizable. It's very that recognizable. Um, yep. Yep. Jet, who does not have many lines, but Jet is actually uh, Marcus Henderson, who, um, so Eugene Cadero, who is Rutherford, I've, I've mentioned, right? Um, one of the things he is doing right now is Tacoma FD, um, which, if you've not watched, is a great show. Um, the Super Troopers guys, right? It's, um, I'm going to forget their names now. Heffernan and um, the other one. Boy, I can't believe it. Wait, who, what? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, the Super Troopers uh, gang. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm My knowledge of the Super Troopers gang is pretty limited, so I don't think Boy, I'm going to help uh, It is uh, Steve Lemming. Steve Lemming. Boy. Okay. I believe I... Um, but, yeah. and, and um, But Eugene Cadero is on that, and he's great in that. Um, Marcus Henderson also is, um, is also a great character. He's a granny on, on, um, Tacoma FD. So they, they are already like, they already work together, um, Mm -hmm. and are both great voice talents. They both done other things too. Marcus Henderson has had a lot of other big pictures too. Um, but like, they're just getting that like young, good voice talent, people that are like having fun doing this. Um, but then while I was following that thread, Nico who is the there's a there's a flashback scene where Mariner is in movie TNG attire at a bar with her friend and her his, her boyfriend who turns into a shapeshifter you know this mm-hmm. scene mhm yep the guy who is the shapeshifter Nico is voiced by Nolan North oh my god wow <laughs> Wow. Nolan North, who, you know, I mean, like people would know him, obviously, for I think the Uncharted series is probably one yep. of the big ones. He's also the voice, the newest voice of the ghost yep. uh, in the Destiny series. Uh, just a huge voice actor. Yeah. But okay. they just pulled him in to be this guy who has like six lines in I love it. <laughs> great period costumes, right? Th- those costumes in that flashback, you're like, oh, my God, those are TNG movies. 
Yeah, this is actually there's a there's a trivia note here on uh, Memory Alpha where they say this is the first like we've seen those era costumes once before I think in another episode in a flashback but this is the first time we see them in full color, uh, and they're they're absolutely just they are the per- pitch perfect you know TNG movie era costumes basically the the first time we see them is in First Contact, uh, and then those uniforms migrate their way to Deep Space Nine after First Contact is released because those are the established quote unquote you know current Starfleet uniforms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's also um, somewhat like I want to I want to point out a couple of things in this episode, because, again, this this episode is just so deeply rich with like Star Trek lore. There are references to uh, Descents Part 1 and 2 briefly uh, in the flashback aboard the USS Quito. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mariner's flashback, um, a Terok Nor style station is shown in her flashback. It's later confirmed to be DS9 by uh, Mike McMahon. Oh, wow. Really? Um, yep. So DS9 is wow. in here, too. Um there's also so here's another ship nerd moment here real quick this is the first episode to feature an olympic class starship since all good things the olympic class starship is the class of starship that beverly picard's ship in the tng finale is uh the uss pasteur um was was the name of that ship so there's another one of those ships uh lurking around back there wow so there's just so much like Star Trek stuff do just you, flowing through the veins of Do you of want the an show. even deeper reference that um here I'll give it to you. Okay. Um when they're talking about Jet, um he, they say I know I can't believe she used to date Jet. That guy's like a Kirk Sunday with trip Tucker sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the fact that you laughed means that you watched some Enterprise. That's right. That's right. And Trip Tucker is the second character to be featured to to be name-checked uh, in the show. I believe they name-checked Jonathan Archer. Earlier. Yes. Um so But Trip Tucker is a deep cut. That's a that's a pull, man. That's a pull. So so to to wind it back to Docent, uh, yes. which is kind of where we where we started here. Um, you know, Docent is is the one giving um tendy and rutherford all these assignments and kind of dangling the the t88 uh in front of them <laughs> what what i love about this is that the the big reveal of this subplot is that docent actually <laughs> wanted to transfer yeah. them aboard uh the vancouver so that he could take their place and just kind of loaf it a bit on the cerritos and and i don't have the exact quote here i'm pulling the paraphrase from uh from memory alpha but he basically when when he does this, he reveals that like he just can't keep up with the pressure, right? Yeah, like, he like he doesn't want to go back in time and like fix the <laughs> timeline. And his his exact yeah. his references that he pulls are like the Vancouver is always on all these epic and stressful missions. He notes that they often have to quote tow space station, <laughs> calibrate the Dyson sphere, <laughs> or go back in time to kill people worse <laughs> than Adolf Hitler. <laughs> And I'm just like, they they specifically, like, God, the wording of that stuff is so good. Because Calibrate, the Dyson Sphere, yeah. <laughs> can only then be a reference to the season six TNG episode, yeah, with Relics. The, with Scotty uh, on it, yep. With Scotty, where the Enterprise discovers a Dyson Sphere. Yep. <laughs> like, it's just, oh my God, it's so good. He like, also, just, his plan is that, like, the Admiral was, what, his, like, grandmother's neighbor or something? And that yeah. was, that's like his plan, like <laughs> that this admiral's going to rubber stamp it because of that connection. Yeah, I believe Tendy's, uh, I've got the quote right here. Tendy's response to him is like, wait a second, you can't just transfer us against our will. And his exact reaction to her is, 
Watch me. Do I need to remind you who my grandma's neighbor was? <laughs> I guess I do. It was the Admiral, and he's a psycho. <laughs> it's just... Oh, man. Again, Matt Walsh is such a talented voice actor. Like, that character is so well-voiced. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they're pulling in talent for that is just... It pays off. It pays off, because Ron Dosen is such a great character. Such a, I mean, such a flawed character, but such a great character. But before we kind of bring it home to to talk about the main A plot and kind of wrap up, you know, what what you know, Barb and and Boimler and and Mariner are are doing here, um, I, I do want to talk about this, you know, the sort of sci fi problem because what I what I love about this sci fi problem is they're they're kind of taking some cuts at like current social critique here where it's like the planet literally can't agree on how best to shore up this moon that's going to destroy everything oh yeah um and and it's all like revolving around basically everything you see like political discussions devolve into now right where it's like there's basically like it turns out like you think they're representing an entire faction of the society but it's literally just two rich people who have a summer home that that they just redid the floors for uh, and they're like, well, you can't wreck our view. Uh, and then there's other people who are literally denying the science behind the moon exploding. <laughs> and and I just, I, I love that boardroom scene where uh, the captain essentially doubles down into like, no, there's a diplomatic solution here. And then has to listen to these people just scream at each other. Um, essentially, what's essentially nonsense. Um, Which is a, another scene. one of these great, like, <clears throat> easy to do with animation things. Where if you were doing that in, if you were doing that live action, now you have to costume and, um, you know, all those people as, you know, pretty cool looking aliens. Yep. But you could do that very easily. Yep. Yeah. Here, here, because they're all drawn, they can just do, yeah, literally whatever they want. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that part of it, basically like that part of it gets resolved with the conclusion of the A plot, because essentially the, um, you know, this entire episode uh mariner's just following boimler around and boimler's kind of being a dunce because he starts to get you know paranoid and and the the jealous boyfriend type and sort of i feel like through the episode it does a little bit better of a job of like giving increasing credence to the fact that like there's something weird going on because at this point boimler should have botched his relationship like three or four times over because he's just being kind of a douche um Although shout out to replicator jokes. Um, oh, yeah. So the, pre- the previous episode, we talked about how there are some good replicator jokes here. Did you notice one thing about the cafeteria aboard the Vancouver? I mean, I, I have a replicator joke out of it, but. Um... They're all eating like literally everybody on the ship is eating like fine dining like sushi or there's like oh <laughs> like, because it's a vancouver got because it it's okay. the vancouver everything's better on the vancouver so like all the stuff that they're eating in the background is like just you know fine sushi and all that like it's just oh. it's the best of cuisine yeah the note i had was the, uh, another one of these like these just quick jokes is because when he gets in there he says replicator beer big hot i, I mean cold <laughs> god make it cold <laughs> He's just uh, used to saying hot to the replicator, <laughs> and it's just another one of these great lines that, yeah. I mean, I mean, cold. Make it cold. <laughs> um, so we we have the, you know, basically the the big conclusion of this episode is is where they have to, um, you know, they have to the, to do the sci fi problem. They have the two ships working together, and then like I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> where uh boimler and barb are together because at one point there's that scene where um where mariner walks in 
I think it was even used in a trailer, which I kind of wish it wasn't used in a trailer because mm. it would have been a really great reveal here, but I sort of knew it was coming. So when I saw the chair, I was like, oh God, I know what's going to happen when he turns around. But it's the, uh, you know, he, he's like the very sexy voyages of, oh God, uh, uh, what are you doing here? And like, he's just, he's he's completely disrobed at this point. So they're, um, in, um, they're in one of the, um, the platforms, right? That is like holding the moon together or like. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, um, that's right. Or like holding the debris together, I think is what they say is the point of them. Yeah. So Which makes sense. To, to prevent the debris from falling on the planet. And yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and this is also the scene then where it was, it's kind of a nice reveal, right? Where it turns out there's absolutely nothing wrong with Barb. There's something wrong with Boimler, right? Yep. And, and <laughs> that was like, at this point, I think I wrote, um, I, I'm just like, man boimler just can he ever catch a break like this this poor guy like you know as it turns out it they're kind of playing it towards you know oh well actually his girlfriend's fine and maybe she just really likes him and then it's like nope there's a weird parasite that is making uh him secrete pheromones that are basically (laughs) making him way more attractive to to than he ever should be um yeah and so they they catch the parasite um they put it in some sort of like a container, don't they? Like, yep. Yep. And then her, her stance is like, well, uh, I guess I'm too busy for a relationship or whatever, because I have to go study this thing. Yep. Right? Yep. She makes a, uh, a discreet exit. Yes. Um, and that's, I'm trying to think of what else happens at that point. The, the conclusion, I guess the conclusion with docent technically happens after that. Right. So that part of it happens. And then the, the stuff with, docent. Uh, I forget when the docent plays out, right. That's less anchored. Um, I think, yeah, they all kind of happen more or less the same. Yeah, there is another great line in there in um, at the point where they do decide to well, when they're getting ready to decide to blow up the moon or implode the moon, because um, one of the last one of the last ditch efforts that the alien who has the like summer home on the planet makes is for the prime directive. All um, right, and she says that doesn't apply here. <laughs> <laughs> And that's for the and it's true, but it, it is. Yep, it, it would be the case that I bet a lot of alien species would try to bring it up. You know, as a last like, wait a minute, what about her. what about your prime directive? Hang on a second here. Yep, yep, good play. Good play. Um, the only other note I have is um, that that I'm surprised we didn't talk about is that um, twice in the episode when Boimler is going to meet Barb, he is bringing her what looks to be a Jordy bear. Oh God, I don't even know if I noticed that. I mean, it's a bear with a Jordy visor on it, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, a yellow Starfleet suit. That's there's pretty a, great. I'm not sure there's anything else it could be but a Jordy bear. God, that's just that's like just a again just an idea of just how many references there are <laughs> in this show that it's like it's it's so easy to miss some of them and why they're they're pretty oh, yeah. watchable. Well, I mean, yeah, the um, Mariners conspiracy board too. The references are pretty deep. Oh God! Yeah, there's actually a decent there's a decent screen grab of this too. Let me uh, let me see if I can pull that up because yeah, I was as I was Nancy from the Man Traps on there. Whales are on there. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, it's it's a lot. Which is the whales have to be a, a direct reference to uh, to Star Trek Star Four. Trek Four, yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Well, because yeah. in this yeah in this timeline the whales are saved, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they saved them in Star Trek Four. So <laughs> God. Uh, what an episode. And then of course, uh, there's that scene, I think at the very end where Tendi and Rutherford are back and they, they've basically just straight up ripped off. Of oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, Oh, you, she reveals that she stole a whole bunch of the, the, and he says, you shouldn't have done that. And she says, Oh, why not? And he says, I did too. And they have a great laugh. 
Yep. Yep. Another, another really good episode. I think, I think this one, I just, I really, really like just from a pure enjoyment standpoint, like I just, I don't think the grin left my face for much of the episode just cause it was just so densely layered with stuff. And it, it um, again, I think it's, it's really like, <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's proof of just like a team that I think really is having fun working in this playground, like in this way. Um, and, and I really like, I don't know. I just, I, I want to say like, it's also kind of really nice to see people like have, like, even though they're playing with the Star Trek format, right. They're doing stuff that you wouldn't do in a mainline show. They're also still, you know, reverential towards the material, right? Like oh, they're sure, getting sure. all these little things like, right. That they wouldn't necessarily have to, but because they do, you know, I think it just shows that they speak Trek. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's not that they're making fun of Nancy from the Man Trap. Like they're just like referencing this weird episode of for season TOS, right? A fifty-year-old yep. episode um, that is very iconic. And like, yep. all you got to do is toss it on a conspiracy board or have a throwaway line in there, and people are going to get it. But yep. I, I think it goes to the degree to which every one of these lines is carefully crafted um, because they don't have room in you know whatever this is 22 25 minutes they don't have room in there for throwaway lines right yeah have... it reminds me a lot of um you know the, at least the density of jokes and like the number of passes that they must be taking over these scripts it reminds me of like golden age simpson style stuff oh sure right? yeah yeah where, where it's just like the 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 level of construction of like the gags is such where it's just like every frame is packed every sentence is packed like there's there's just not a lot of wasted material in there yeah, it's just um, it, it just it has that feel to it, and it's just um, it's really nice to see that in a thing that is celebrating Star Trek. Like it's just uh, it's yeah. This is this is by far my my favorite one. I yeah, I so think far. this is my favorite one so far too. So, yeah, yeah. So and I'm happy to get to now watch the next two. So there you go. Exactly. So um, this has been our trek through. I got it right that time. Uh, Cupid's errant arrow, which is episode five of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks um for um our kind of little side journey that we're taking here before we get back to season three of uh of tng so uh, you can find us on the web at hi-fi sci-fi podcast.com or if you just google hi-fi sci-fi uh, podcast i think you'll find us um we're also on most podcatchers. if you do have any trouble finding that just find us on social media uh send us a dm our social media stuff is also on the website so and then we have a new theme as well right paul yeah, um, thanks Chelsea for the theme. Um, again, um, if you well, if you want to hear another theme that Chelsea also wrote, she also wrote the theme to Three uh, D Beam Up, the other podcast that um, she's a co-host on. So that's right. Um, and Paul and I also have another podcast where we talk about video game stuff, uh, kind of an evergreen podcast too, um, much like our our exploits through TNG. Uh, where we talk about the games that we've missed uh, the first time around. So if you're a video game fan and you want to check out a video game style book club kind of podcast, uh, that is the Missing Save File, uh, missingsavefile.com. We also have a uh, podcast where we just talk about evergreens, um, and it is evergreentrees.com. And Bert and I just uh, talk about which evergreens we like the most. Just in time for the holiday season. Here we go. Yeah, you know, the Douglas firs are (laughs) great this time of year. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's uh that's it we gotta go uh we'll see you next time uh until next time i'm bernsey and i'm paul and uh watch out for uh for that salt sucking succubus get you every time <laughs> <laughs>